what is the source of the Holy Scriptures and what are they useful for? All Scripture is written out by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, Our scripture reading comes from John 3, verses 1 through 12. John 3, verses 1 through 12. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said that to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, We speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Should be. Hey, uh, all right. So they, they're not towering out there. They're pumping. They're pumping something out of that bank building. Um, so uh, if, if it might be difficult to hear me, we flag me if, if the voice gets muddy. If the sound gets muddy, will somebody let me know? Because this is kind of pointless if you can't hear me. All right, let's let's turn to the Bible now. We're here in John three. We will be here in John three for the next four weeks at least. And that, at least. And I, I'm excited about it, and I want you to get excited about it, too. And my excitement is born more out of, I guess, I have seen... So John 3, for me, has been this linchpin. It's been this moment. I, I've seen this moment over the years where I'm sitting with somebody. I, I remember doing this with you, Cedric. We're sitting there working through John 3 with somebody, with a friend, or with somebody I've met who... Who I suspect, and I don't know where you are in this continuum, who I suspect hasn't really come alive with God. Like somebody maybe hasn't yet seen who Jesus is or, or hasn't had a spiritual awakening yet. And you'll be, ta- I'll be talking about this, this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. And there's something kind of weird and ripe about it and strange. And, and it, it does, it's not a conversation that even makes any sense. Am I the only one who feels a little lost in this conversation? This conversation doesn't make any sense. It's like two people are talking at each other. It's, uh, it's, it's people who are like talking, and, but imagine Peter's talking this way, I'm talking, but we're having a conversation. What is going on? 
And that missed conversation uh, has led a lot of people to want to destroy this text. Did you know that? What I just described, that conversation, the way the conversation kind of opens up with such an awkward tempo where, where Nicodemus is pretty much doing the, hey, how are you speech, and Jesus then lays him out with, you don't know nothing. <laughs> you don't know me. And so that mismatch, well, one of the most famous uh, interpreters of the Bible was from Germany in the 20th century. His name was Rudolf Bultmann. And he believed that the, the program, the need of the hour, was for preachers and pastors, for students of the Bible, to read the Bible intelligently and realize it's filled with myths. And that if we can, we ought to try to rescue those myths, rescue the myth. Because all this is, is a cut and paste job. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but if you go to seminary, uh, and I don't recommend you do so, but if you go to seminary, even, even in conservative seminaries, you'll be introduced to all that because every major academic work rejects out of hand the idea that the scriptures are inspired and the word of God. There is not an academic standing you can manage in this generation and have any respect academically if you believe that the Bible is somehow a mystical utterance of God from on high. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being honest with you. In fact, this, this, it's so common these days that uh, it kind of boggles the mind. I, even in my tradition, which is supposed to be about sola scriptura and, and the enduring perfections of the inspired word of God, even that's become, it's become passe. Well, we need to become intelligent, articulate men. We are responsible women. And we know that such things are not possible. It's not possible that the Bible is what it claims to be. By the way, this is the first attack on the scriptures. It always starts here. If you want to get at the cross of who Jesus is, if you want to launch your attack on Christianity, begin with the word of God. So Bultmann takes this text and he literally rips it to pieces. I, you read the commentary, it reads like a fantasy. I tell you, it's a weird book. Because the first thing he does is try to figure out how one person wrote the Nicodemus story, another person wrote the Jesus story, and they try to push them together. This is before you could take your mouse and click on a passage and highlight it and move it to another place. This is before then. So it's choppy. You didn't, you didn't get the good, the good uh, what you could do in Adobe or, or Word. And you didn't have the opportunity to really polish it and make it work and flow. So what we have is a, a cut and paste job that's not worth well, it might be worth our time if we could demythologize it. Why do I bring all this up? Because I, I th maybe, maybe you're not like Bultmann. And you, maybe you don't have a program for demythologizing the Bible. But I'll bet, in practice, for all practical purposes, you receive data in this world and you believe that what you really know, you know because because of what science has discovered. Or what you know is what you know because of what you learned at uh, business school and how the world really works. 
or what you know is because of the unfolding reality of what science has revealed about the nature and age of the universe and, and the ongoing processes that create men and women. And we all have some place we call our authority. It's where we say, this is why things are true. This is why things are false. These are why I, this is why I believe this. This is why I don't. And Christianity busts into the scene. Now let's, let's take a look at, the, let's take a look at this, this text. The first description of Jesus in John 1 is, what is John? There's a metaphor for Jesus that's used, and John uses it to great effect. And does anybody remember the metaphor? The metaphor, we actually sang about it. We sang it in that beautiful hymn, Ein Festeberg, a mighty fortress. What was the analogy that's used to describe Jesus by John? First thing. He calls him a word. Logos, word, remember that? That's the way, that's John out the gate. He begins to describe the arrival of a supernatural being named Jesus Christ, who he's claiming is the son of God. And this word for him is, he is the word become flesh. He is the Logos. And, 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 and as we kind of look at that, one of the things I see, and one of the things I think John is doing right here, is he's doubling down on this idea that Jesus reveals the words of an eternal God into space and time, effectively and without flaw. And that because God, the God-man has come, it is possible, no, no more than possible, it has happened that words of men and women across the thousands of years were infused and created and animated and breathed and inspired in such a way that's to deliver to you and to me words without error, words without flaw, words without any possible. It is impossible for the scriptures to be wrong. So in the first conversations that Jesus starts happening, having with people, and this is with Nicodemus, a spiritual leader, he starts dropping his word Persona. He starts using his self-identity as a perfect revelation of eternal love from beyond space and time in a man. He is that person. How, notice, what does he say three times in the text? Take a look with me. Because John's cashing in on Jesus is the word. And the way he does it is three times in this text. Verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you. Look again in verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you. Look again in verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, memes in history and different ways or catchphrases or ways of thinking and expressing uh, in history are, well, we usually we can track them. You know, that we, we, they're genealogies of words and ideas. And one of the things that Bultmann and others have tried to do is they try to say, look, John is just a robber baron taking ideas from other people and infusing them in Jesus with some mystical religious hope for religious people. I say that's a lie. I don't think that's true. And Christ himself takes in the language of being the truth bearer. Doubly, And this is this language we're not familiar with. We, it stinks into our language a little bit where we repeat something in order to say it's true or perfectly true. We say, true, 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 true. I'm trying to think of a way we do it. We do a little bit in forever and ever. That's a repeat. 
forever and ever. Why do we do forever and ever? Because there's built in our language, if you repeat something, you're affirming it to be perfectly true, endlessly true. This is actually a a Hebrew uh, uh, grammatical structure. And so they would have recognized it. And actually, it's not even Greek. You know, this is all written in Greek. But those words right there are not Greek. They're amen, amen. That's Aramaic. It's, It's Hebrew. It's true, true, I say to you. How do I get my hands around this? All right, so John, John is, when, when Jesus is his first like real conversation about the Holy Spirit and faith and belief and everything, Jesus becomes the word who says, I am double true. I am true as true can be. One of the things that happens One of the things that happens, and one of the things that Bultmann got so much traction on is to say, no, there's two different kinds of truth. There's your your truth. What's your truth, Michael? Yeah, you don't, I I, I know you don't have one. (laughs) You're the wrong person to ask, and you'll be the wrong person to, you wouldn't even ask me that. I've heard people say this, I need to speak my truth. Have you heard this before? Or we need to speak our truth together. Or what's your truth? And I think there's something kind of charming about that. I think it's something kind of beautiful because what somebody's reaching into or trying to reach into our experience to say something real, to say something they really mean about who they are and define themselves somehow in this world by, hey, something. But um, as that desperate cry, I want to speak my truth. When Christ says it, it's not that. When Christ says true, let me let me let me uh, let me tell you my truth. He's not relating some some experience of you <laughs> or experience of himself. No, 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 no. He says, "True, true." I reach out of space and time. Let's look at, uh, I reach out and beyond who you are. I speak eternal words that are forever true and shall never pass away. I am the Lord. See, Christ's claims are much bolder and much greater and much more alarming than we perhaps we first thought. Because Christ is claiming to be a repository and a deliverer of that which is true uncontestably forever. This is the place I want to start. In this chapter, we're going to unpack what it means for the Holy Spirit to come with power. In this spirit, we're going to talk about what regeneration is and to be born again. But the first thing we need to do is we need to double down on Christ as the deliverer of truth. No, I did, said it wrong, didn't I? No, no, I said it wrong. Truth is his name. <laughs> he doesn't, Christ doesn't have, there's not some truth outside of Christ he points to, is there? Because what is he? He is the way. What is he? The truth and the life. As he comes on a mighty horse, He has a tattoo, and it says, faithful and true. (laughs) His truth. Uh, Let's take a look at those statements and see what we gain from them, see how we can live in them, and see how we can, what joy we can have in them. Um, I'm tired of preaching in general. Yikes. It's for reasons like that. Well, the reasons I'm tired of preaching is because I'm tired. All right, I'm tired of that too. What am I tired of? 
So I, I, this is what I see. Change, omatic. This, this is from my notes. I probably should look at them right now, but oh well. All right. Dude, here. And what I picture is, you know, I wonder why you're here. I, there was somebody who I was thinking was going to be here wasn't, who, wasn't, who wasn't here this morning. And the only reason I knew she would have come was because she had a friend here. But and what I, mean, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. But, but what, there's a lot of reasons why we come to church. There's a lot of reasons why you come to church. A friend, uh, maybe there's some guilt that we need to manage. Maybe we want to feel something. We want to connect. Um... You know, uh, maybe because our mom's going to ask us what we did today. Um, but, you know, we, we have generally, we have, I would say, a mildly optimistic hope for what happens here. Right? We have a mildly optimistic hope that it won't be that bad. At least Chris is entertaining. You know? And, uh, and so, you know, and... And, and so we kind of come in and we're hoping that we'll, we'll hear a word or a truth or, or we'll have some experience maybe. or be, And something, we'll leave, we'll walk out and, I don't know, maybe, maybe there'll be a tidbit of encouragement. You know, they'll be encouraged. And, and maybe we'll have a lunch with somebody and go to, and maybe we'll think twice We'll think again about going to Bible study. We don't do it, but we'll think about it again. And, you know, and, and, and you know, maybe, we'll, and maybe we'll, we'll be a little bit nicer. That's what I'm hoping for. Something to make me nicer. If this is your vision of church, this sucks. <laughs> I picture Nicodemus coming to Jesus, and he's, Nicodemus is just like this. Hey, you know, look. Jesus, and we talked about this weird conversation. And the reason I bring out how weird the conversation is is because I think your conversation with God is just as weird as Nicodemus's. <laughs> yeah. Because we all come, like Nicodemus comes. He's coming at night. There's a lot of people speculate about that. Uh, John tells us later that he's one of the people that helps bury Jesus. There's a lot of tension. He's got, he's got, some, he's got some religious commitments he's got to be careful about. I know all about those. You've got to be careful who you're seen with and when and stuff like that. Okay, so, but he's coming in, and he is, he is coming into the change-o-matic of religion, of meeting Jesus, and he has all of the different things that he has to think about. Just like you do. But he's not prepared for Jesus, and neither are you. None of us are. None of us are ready for somebody who says, oh, by the way, I am truth. I speak it. It's done. Do you believe me? When somebody talks to me like that, wouldn't it drive you nuts? It drives, it drives a lot of people nuts in the Bible, trust me. Because Jesus isn't having the same conversation that you are. We have come into the change of church situation, spiritual life, whatever it is you're here for, for a number of variety of different reasons, and our hopes are not that high. We're not. And I, I come across John chapter 3, and John chapter 3 has the invasion of the Holy Spirit. You, this is not what I want. I want something more than this. So one place we're going to begin is by me preaching to you and speaking to you and encouraging you and inviting you in to an absolute, constant, undying confidence 
in the authority and truthfulness and veracity and accuracy of every word and every syllable ever written in the scripture. That's it. All right, let's begin. Truly, truly, I say to you, you can't see squat unless you've been born again. You don't even know you need to be born again unless something happens. And that's got to begin with you hearing the King of Kings go, I speak truth. I speak it every time I breathe. I live it and I bear it. And I am truth. <gasps> Nicodemus isn't ready. <laughs> you see, and Christ has got to put him in his place right away. Like he's got to put you in your place. And the first truly, truly that God speaks to the world and Christ speaks to us is stop acting like you know what you're doing because you don't. And stop acting like you know who Jesus is because you don't. And a lot of your misconceptions, they continue to hamper you and limp you and make you think you imagine and understand all sorts of things about Jesus, but you don't. And the reason I know you don't is because your prayer life is so anemic. And the reason I know you don't is because you've been satisfied with a vision of church or life or truth that doesn't change anything. And truth that doesn't change anything isn't worth anything. You know, and, and I, I feel for you. because I feel, Look... Fake, we, you know, evangelicals, we on the corner on fake news. We started fake news. Yeah, the evangelicals started fake news. I'm, I'm dead serious. We are the best liars that the world's seen. Christians, yeah. Yeah, they meet me all the time. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing really good, Chris. Really? One of the great, one of the great, one of the great shockers in ministry is 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 the best looking couple in the church, who whose whose smiles on Facebook and pictures, whose assurances every Sunday that they had the best marriage possible, completely unprepared me, completely unprepared everybody else for the fact that he was having sex with a stripper in his in his in his house while his wife was teaching elementary school children at school. makes me want to go crazy because it means we're liars. I desperately need the truth that God loves me, that God loves sinners, that that's, I need his truth that he's here for me and that he is an eternal God. That when he spoke words of love, I can take them all the way to the bank. And I can be transformed by them and in them. And the Holy Spirit comes along the word. Imagine the words like a train track and the Holy Spirit runs down that track and explodes into our lives. <laughs> and everything we're being promised, everything we can hope for begins with the Savior who says, Amen, Amen. Truth, truth. I say to you, Nicodemus, I say to you, religious people, the change-o-matic version of Christianity has got to end and fake news has to end. Because the truth is we don't see it and we don't cherish it and we're not living in it and we're not aroused by it and we're not hungry for it and we're not, and we're not, we're not sold out committed. We're not running around going, I got the truth on it all. <laughs> and I'm telling you, the originators of fake news 
has got to be the hypocrisy of evangelicals who did not lead by saying, my Savior said I'm a sinner, and that's the first thing you need to know about me. <laughs> I don't see. I am blind without his sight. My truth is not the truth that saves. His is. <laughs> it's a completely different deal. And that's the way I love Christ shuts, that's the way it shuts Nicodemus down. And it sounds like the wrong conversation. And, and I was talking about this before where Nicodemus is like, hey, I'm giving you the compliments. Hey, Jesus, you're okay. Jesus, hey, you guys don't know the Jesus is just all right with me. Is anybody, am I the oldest person here? I made that, I made that joke tonight. Uh, who's, who's, it's Doobie Brothers, isn't it? Jesus is just all right with me. Really? Jesus is not just all right with anybody. And nobody is like that with him if they know him. He's just all right. And that's what Nicodemus is acting like. And that's the unsettling thing that Christ has got to say. I am true, true. I am amen, amen. I am the truth come from beyond space and time. I am the truth that saves. I am the truth that reconciles. I am the truth that orders everything. Fake news doesn't survive anywhere near a knowledge of Jesus' love. (laughs) And Nicodemus is all about fake news. Oh, yeah, he's telling the truth about what Jesus did, but he doesn't believe. He's coming by night. He's he's controlling this. First out the gate, true truth can help you to see. And if you see the true truth of who Jesus is, you will be able to see. Hi, Anna. All right, so what's what's the second thing he says? The second time he says it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He sets the bar even higher. Nicodemus is lost. And by the way, that's one of the problems with taking this and cutting and pasting it. It's because the flow of the text and the jarring nature of the conversation is obvious in Nicodemus' wealth, right? Like, Nicodemus is confused. Like, and that's one of the things I think is so unfortunate about the redactors and the critics and how they would, they're hostile to the word of God. They don't believe in its truth and its eternity. They don't believe that not one jot or tittle shall pass away. So, so they, they, they can't see this. But in the text itself, in its lived detail, is what? Nicodemus going, what are you talking about? You know, I, Nicodemus is probably in his 50s. Do I look like a candidate to go to come out the womb again? What are you, what are you talking about? He's probably got a long beard. It looks comical. He doesn't. And you hear how jarring, how jarring it is, um, how jarring it is for, for Nicodemus himself. So the first thing we see, the first thing that trust truth brings is that we can't see unless he gives, unless he speaks. And then in verse 5, truly, truly, I say, unless he's born of the water and the spirit. What is this? Christ, truth, true, true truth about who he is, is brokered by how you grasp being cleansed and by how you grasp the Holy Spirit. What are in the word? This is why I'm in earnest for you, Sid, when to be baptized. Because that's what that's talking about. It's talking about how we take on the outward symbols of baptism and washing. And that when we do that, we're saying something about what? The washing of the Spirit that happens in rebirth. So the truth, the first true truth is for you to know that you don't know truth apart from him, and we need to be honest. But the second true truth that he wants to preach is his, is his washing, is his cleansing, 
Even, it even says that his word, when he spoke it to his disciples, was like a scrub brush and scrub them clean. And that he has these words, and his, his true truth is verily, verily, his amen, amen about who he is, is a word about the cross. About the cross being a truth that will last beyond time and be effective to save John thousands of years later. And, and, and it brings truth, and it, it's a truth that changes the world around it. It's a data point now. It's not merely factually true, but it is materially and effectively and efficiently and immediately true and available as a truth that changes the truth of who I am because I'm washed. It's the truth that clinks you in now that your entrance into God's glory, your entrance into his beauty, your entrance into his joy, your entrance into the eternal life is created by the way God has washed you and cleansed you. And you begin to see it. That that truth becomes so precious. And then there's another kind of fake news out there now. The fake news your conscience tells you, right? Oh, there's no way you can be a man of God for what you did. Or there's no way a woman of God would ever do what she has done and thought what she has thought. Come back again like we do every week in confession. And what do we do? Because he's true truth. He's doubly true, and he doubled down on the truth because he knew what you and I would do, and he knew how we would live. And he said, no, you will enter if you are washed by the water and the Spirit. So what's the, what is that? The first true truth is for you to wake up. Is <laughs> I don't know. I don't even, I'm going to tell the truth about who I am, let alone who Christ is. And then move to the truth of his washing and it's cleansing and what the cross and the blood means and what blood means for us means shiny and new and clean this is like I need I need so desperate to be clean um alright that's always a good, a, good, a good sign that I should calm down alright what's, what's the third one alright verse 11 truly truly I say to you we speak of what we know we bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Um, so, uh, we, we read this. Well, why do we read God's words? It's right there at the top. Look there. Look, look, at, look at the first. All scripture is breathed out by God. You see that? You see that? That's actually one word in Greek. And the reason is it's because Paul had to come up with new words. Because nobody had come up with this idea of a data set that wasn't corruptible. <laughs> if you ever notice if you leave your iPhone on too long, it starts acting squirrely. Anybody ever notice that? If you don't, if you don't reboot it, you know what's happening is the data degrades. Any, any computing system left on long enough has a problem with the degrading data. It constantly has to be addressed. This is not that kind of data. But there's a need for us to keep doubling down, as it were, to keep coming in and refreshing it, to keep coming in and, and, and nailing it down again, to get this perspective, because we live on earth, we are, we are bound to, he, Christ knows it, Christ knows when Nicodemus is sitting there going, I'm, I don't understand what you're talking about, he knows, he knows how hard it is for us to, to tell the truth about who we are, let alone know the truth and live in the truth of his love, he knows that. And so what he tells us in this the last time is that I come with a new perspective so that you can have freedom. Because a lot of you're mired. 
you're down in the in the weeds in your perspective. You ever heard that expression in the weeds? Is that because that's a that's a you ever heard the expression, Megan? Uh, uh, it, you use that a lot in restaurants. If you're in the weeds, it just means like you can't see anymore where you are. You can't figure out where you are anymore. And life is a way of doing that. And then Christ, one of the part of the picture that he wants to give it, his truthfulness, is that it's the perspective outside of time. And that's the perspective that you can always fall back on when your worldly perspective is just off. Let me give you an example here. It's something that guides you. This is what Christ is actually claiming. This is what he is claiming. Um, so do you, ever, do you ever read the Bible and, and, and be reading it and go, I don't know if I agree with that? Anybody, anybody done that besides me? I know. Don't tell my presbytery. But <laughs> I have read the Bible and gone, I don't Really? Have you ever had that moment where you just kind of find yourself questioning God's word? And you don't even feel that bad about it? You're like, oh, Whenever you disagree with the Bible, I want you, I want you to practice this and, and trust it for the rest of your life. You have something you can say to yourself. You've heard me say this before. Whenever you disagree with the Bible, you're wrong. <laughs> just tell yourself that. This, this, will just, this, this will guide you the rest of your life. This will be open freedom and it'll open doors. There'll be dark days where people have told you that Jesus Christ never existed. There'll be dark days when people will tell you that all you have is a therapeutic band-aid and that your belief in an old God who died and rose again is so silly and stupid. How can you believe that God made man? How can you believe? How can you? How, why is there so much suffering? Let me tell you something. I, I've been doing this a long time and there's a number of questions that come up in your life, in your experience, in your love life, in your heart, in the... In the pains you feel, in the difficulties, in the fear about tomorrow, and you begin to wonder, is this really true? You get scared. And that's the final thing that Christ says, I am true truth, is because I have a perspective that rises above all that, and I can see. I have a testimony that can see it all. Trust me. Whenever you disagree with the Bible, you're wrong. And just tell yourself that. Say, you know what? That means I'm wrong. I disagreed with this. Maybe go on to the tank of this. Like, you know, I, I can get excited about defending the scripture, defending what I believe about the Bible. You know, a lot of people want to break apart this idea of inerrancy. It's actually called, that's the doctrine of inerrancy and inspiration. A lot of people want to reject it in our day because of our science and our cleverness and our intelligence. A lot of people want to stray away from this. And I, I've seen it where a lot of Christians have begun to distance themselves. A lot of Christians, it just isn't cool. You know, it's so funny to me that in academics, it's just like it was in high school and in middle school. I want to sit at the cool kids' table. Does anybody else have this problem in there? I want to sit with the cool kids, you know? Or maybe you guys want to sit with me. I don't know. I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to find some anchors in your experience here. I'm joking. Want to sit with the cool kids, right? And just like that in academics today, where the academics want to sit with the cool kids. They do. And books come out, and people ask questions. Famous one recently is called The Bible Tells Me So. Let me tell you, that entire book is false. It's all false. Distractions. All distractions. Um, do you know who talked about the Bible as if it was written by God? It's Jesus. 
know what Jesus says when he quotes the Bible? You know what he says? You know what the Holy Spirit says? The one person utterly convinced that the word of God had come from beyond space and time, had arrived to deliver all the truth about everything we had to know, to know him and ourselves in this world. And it had come. And... And it had come in Jesus. Um, I'm wanting to encourage you and push you to new certainty. This is, we're going to live here for a second. This change-o-matic view stinks. But if God has come to say truly, truly about who you are and about who he is and about what's to come, then transformation's at hand. That's what I want together. Let's pray. The reality is, Father, and if any, we told us this, you told us so clearly, if anybody thinks they know something, <laughs> they still don't know as they should. We're so puffed up with our own pretensions, with our own claims to knowledge. And yet, even in this age, with all that we have and all the scientific inquiry that's possible, fake news is worse than ever. It's like some cosmic joke. We imagined we could be objective. And you came along and told us, you told us thousands of years ago, we're not objective. We need you. Holy Spirit, breathe. Lord Jesus, speak. Holy Father, send. Make this time, this place, our church, all the churches of our city, this generation, places of change and transformation because of your word and because of the Holy Spirit and the washing that we need. Give us new insight into who we are. Have the conversation with us, Father, that we're not willing to have with you and speak your truth to us and show us Jesus. Show us Jesus crucified. Show us Jesus died. Show us Jesus rose from the dead and sits forever enthroned on high. Reveal to us Jesus, your son, by pouring out the Holy Spirit and opening the word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.